A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. How to advance your career without shoving it in everyone's face. In the corporate world, men have perfected the art of office bullshit to make it seem like they're the hardest workers at the company even when they haven't done any real work in years. You can use these same tactics to make sure everyone knows how dedicated you are without having to come out and say, hey everyone, look how dedicated I am, which of course would be career suicide. You are listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle and I was reading there from a really brilliant book called How to Be Successful Without Hurting Men's Feelings, which is something we all need to know about. It is a book of non-threatening leadership strategies for women, obviously very tongue-in-cheek, written by Sarah Cooper, who's a blogger, vlogger and comedian, and her wickedly satirical thecooperreview.com pokes fun at corporate culture, the tech world and everything in between. After 15 years working for companies like Google and Yahoo, she knows her subject very, very well. And her 10 tricks to appear smart in meetings has circled the globe with over 5 million views. And we are delighted to have her on the women's podcast today. Here she is, Sarah Cooper. Sarah Cooper, thank you very much for joining us on the women's podcast. I've been chuckling away with your book on my desk for the last couple of weeks. It really is very funny, so well done. I'm going to read a piece from the blurb just so people understand what the book is about. And it says, In How to Be Successful Without Hurting Men's Feelings, Sarah Cooper illustrates how women can achieve their dreams, succeed in their careers and become leaders just as soon as the men in the office finish explaining things. Yes, sometimes it feels like they'll never finish explaining things. And that's why the book includes several blank pages to doodle on while you wait. The book also includes a deep dive into how to be authentic while hiding all your true thoughts and feelings, a beginner's guide to gaslighting and a set of men's achievement badges to reward them for accomplishments such as treating a woman like a human and when all else fails a set of wearable moustaches is included to allow women to seem more man-like, cancelling out any need to be less threatening. So the book, the whole book is, is goes on in that vein and what I'm really curious to know is uh, why you felt a book like this was needed. Well, I'm the type of person who lets my audience speak to me in terms of what they'd like to read and what they'd like to see. I started this book based on a blog post that I wrote called Nine Non-Threatening Leadership Strategies for Women, which I wrote and I posted about two years ago. And it was, uh, it's part of the book. It's, it's chapter six of the book. It's kind of an expanded version of it. Uh, and it was all about the things that I found myself doing in the corporate world to, you know, seem more approachable and not as aggressive and more likable and things that I did that I didn't really like that I had to do, uh, but I knew that I did. And um, I posted it and it went viral. And I just had such a huge response from women who identified with everything that I posted there Uh that that's what made me think that there was something here that I could expand upon. Now, I will say I wasn't really thinking this would become a book when I wrote that post or even after it went viral because I didn't know how to make it funny because a lot of these things are um, sort of painful. And I am, you know, getting that feedback that people are laughing, but they're also crying and some people are throwing the book across the room <laughs> before they finish it. Um, but I I finally started thinking more about it. And I, you know, I, I guess the sort of 
sadness around these issues kind of turned to anger. And then I got really angry at the fact that there's so many rules and these rules are impossible to follow. And that's when I, I saw sort of a way into the humor of, you know what, if, if I wrote a book where I just kind of laid it all out there, all of the things that we have to deal with, all of the double standards, all of the rules that are contradicting each other and impossible to follow, then maybe that will, you know, sort of be a window into mm. like the way that it's funny well, well, is because it's just so overwhelming. Yeah, because there's a lot. There's a lot. And um, what about if we go through some of the strategies just so people will get an idea of what you're talking about? So this is this is trying as a woman to not appear too aggressive or unfeminine or to to appear threatening basically that that you your your theory would be that when you do that when you behave like a sort of a man would people don't like it and it's not as effective um so that's the sort of thing underneath it all so for example a threatening way to to ask a a sort of a, someone in work to do something would be get this done by monday and a non-threatening way would be what do you think about getting this done by monday and threatening <laughs> threatening in a meeting would be i have an idea and non-threatening would be Oh, I'm just thinking out loud here. And then just one more. Threatening would be an email that says, send me the presentation when it's ready. But non-threatening is, hey, Jake, smiley face, smiley face. Can I take a peek at your presentation when it's ready? Thanks, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. <laughs> smiley face, smiley face, smiley face. So can you tell me where that came from? That was the first thing you wrote. It was it was the non-threatening leadership strategies. It was what sort of sparked the book. So in work yourself, and you worked in various sort of techie kind of companies, were those experiences yeah. that you'd been having that you you could see how what you would consider sort of normal, regular work behavior was not going down as well as if you when you softened it up. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, I definitely would be in a meeting. And instead of just throwing an idea out there, I would say, you know, this is probably stupid or, you know, this is probably crazy, but I'm just going to say it anyway. You know, I would sort of um, downplay everything that I was I was saying in a meeting and, uh, you know, some of these things you can see is just sort of the passive aggressive way that a lot of people deal with each other at work. But I definitely noticed that for women, it was almost a necessity, like men could be more direct, get, get, get this to me, or here's my idea, or just throw, you know, throwing things out there without, you know, um, prefacing them with anything. And, um, you know, if women did that, if women were extremely direct, it, it just was kind of uh, like, well, are you in a bad mood or, you know, what's going on with you? So it was kind of, um, it was kind of stark when it came to that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the gaslighting chapter and Collins Dictionary has actually introduced gaslighting for the first time. They announced yesterday in the dictionary. So it's now mainstream. And you have a very good chapter called Gaslighting for Beginners. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think some, I think... I almost wanted to call this Gaslighting for Dummies, but... <laughs> That was good. Um, I think yeah. some of our listeners will recognise these things. So these are ways at work in which we're often kind of, um, you know, we're sort of, it's a, as you call it, a form of negotiation where people make you think you're crazy so you'll become confused and unsure of yourself and ultimately agree with whatever they're saying. And you say that you've definitely had it done to you but you probably didn't even notice it. Oh, you did notice it? Are you sure? Do you even know what you're talking about? See, I just did it to you. Um, so this top secret playbook is the same one all men receive when they start a new job. It will give you an inside look into how they use these tactics and how you can use them to your own advantage one day if you ever get the chance. So some of these things I think listeners will recognise. When giving instructions, be intentionally vague, then blame the person for not understanding the, the instructions. That that's definitely happened to me. Uh, look at your phone while a co coworker is talking to you. I mean, that's just rude, isn't it? Why why do people do that? 
It is so rude, but I saw it done so many times where, you know, someone will say, hey, can I talk to you? And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 go ahead. What do you need to say? But they'll obviously be doing something else, like looking at their phone or looking at their laptop. I think I might have um, done that myself, though. Can I just say yes? <laughs> Am <laughs> well, I, gas- I must be gaslighting without, without knowing it. That's terrible. I'm just that's an admission that I have. I actually just did it 10 minutes ago. I have to be honest. Somebody came over to me and I just carried on with my thing. And I was like, yep, yeah, yeah, but I was really busy. Is that an excuse? No. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, it makes you look busy, which makes you look important. So that, oh that works for you oh, in this, your career. Okay, this is not good. I'm turning this around. Um, the next one is <laughs> when your coworker complains, bring up something else that they really should be complaining about. Yes, I yes. recognize that one too. And what's that about? Why are they doing that? So, if, you know, if you say, you know, I'm worried about our quarterly planning sessions and I don't think they're working, you know, somebody will be like, well, <laughs> what you really need to be worried right. about are the weekly reviews. Um, and so this is a way of just immediately minimizing the issue that you're bringing up. And, uh, it, it just, it, it's, it's sort of, um, a way of, of making you feel like the problem that you've presented isn't important because it's being compared to something that is even more important. And I think for a lot of, um, women working in male dominated industries, this is why we sort of end up feeling like we're the crazy one because we look around and there's nobody seeing what we're seeing. And so we really do feel like we're kind of stranded when we point something out and everyone's like, what are you talking about? Even though we know, we know we're seeing what we're seeing, you know? Sarah, I really understand like the bit about people wanting to throw the book across the room because it is that it's an amazing feeling of recognition, which is great to know that you're not crazy, that other people experience this too. But at the same time, it's really depressing because one of them is like when someone shares a good idea pretend like it sounds crazy then present it later as your own I bet that's very common is that something a lot of people were responding to yeah I mean it's, it's super common because you might throw out a crazy idea and a lot of times I would um, instead of presenting an idea in a meeting I would pull someone aside or and I would say well you know what about this you know just because I wanted to feel them out and you know they would say well I don't know about that it's you know, that's kind of far-fetched and probably would be hard to do. And then later on in a meeting, when everyone's out of ideas, they're the one who says, well, what about this? And you're, the, and that's the exact idea that you told them, you know, in a, in a one-on-one. Um, and sometimes they'd be like, oh, actually, Sarah, you know, told me about this, but sometimes they wouldn't, you know, and maybe they didn't know where they got that idea from. And I think that that happens a lot as well. Because yeah. people want to take credit. They want, they want the credit for, um, you know, throwing out good ideas. Yeah. Um, and your conclusion on the gaslighting chapter is good. It says, one thing to keep in mind when being gaslighted is that the less you fight it and the sooner you accept it, the less crazy you will seem. At some point, you'll realise you're not crazy. Then you can point out that your question was valid or that everyone in the meeting was just as confused as you, but in a discreet way, like in an, in an anonymous Hallmark card or scrawled in cream cheese on the gaslighter's bagel. <laughs> 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 so, like, even while it's very depressing, this book, it's actually, you can't help laughing all the time. So I really applaud you for having uh, done that. What what kind of reaction have you had to the, to the book? The, the most surprising reaction is a lot of women think that the book is serious and think that I really wrote a book about how to be successful without hurting men's feelings. <laughs> and I think that's the most No, depressing. Sarah, I don't believe you. You're telling me people don't I, get this as a satire. People do not get that it is satire. People are, and, and women especially, they're very like, why should I worry about men's feelings? I, I don't think I should have to worry about men's feelings. And then I have to be like, well, yeah, that, that is the point of the book. 
Um, but the same thing happened with my tricks to appear smart, which was my first book. People were like, well, you shouldn't have to appear smart in meetings. You should actually be smart. And I'm like, yeah, that's the point of the book. I mean, it's just, but I just didn't see it coming. I didn't really, I really, for me, the, the, the title is so ridiculous that it just seems so obvious, but it's, it's not obvious. And I feel like that kind of speaks to the sadness of it, of people being like, wait a second, I don't want to worry about men's feelings, you know? Yeah. And uh, there's a, there's a chapter called ambition. And, and it says how to advance your career without shoving it in everyone's face. So that's important, is it, to make sure that nobody really thinks you're ambitious? Because that would be very uncool yes. as a woman. Um, yeah, exactly. So obviously to get promoted, you need visibility. But also you don't want too much visibility because competitive women are seen very differently than competitive men. So a competitive woman might be seen as just kind of selfish and not thinking about the team. And, um, you know, and so it's a really fine line you have to walk as a woman to to make everyone know how hard you work and how how much you do really want to move ahead mm. so you've you've taken a few tips from the way men do that uh very well and uh, one of them is complain about how much email you get which i have done i actually yes. think sometimes reading this book i think i'm a man actually because <laughs> I think I've done a lot of these things. Complain about how much email you've got. Put several private events on your work calendar. What's that to do? Why would you do that? So uh, uh, there's a lot of calendar stalking that goes on at work. <laughs> so people will look at what other people are doing and, um, and look at your calendar and see what you're up to, what projects you're working on, what meetings you're in. And so if you put a lot of private events on your calendar, you'll look extremely busy and people will wonder, well, what's going on? You know, are you, you know, you're, you're high in demand. You're a high in demand person at work. Okay. And the other one is always use a sent from my phone email signature. Even, yeah, even if you're it. not sending it from your phone. Exactly. It just makes you seem like you're always on the go <laughs> and you, <laughs> you're, you're just always busy and doing something else, even, even if you're not, even if you're just sitting at your desk when you respond. And I love this one. Share random thoughts at odd hours. So 1.32 a.m. What's the status of this? 4.04 a.m. Yes. Why aren't we doing what X competitor is doing? 2.50 a.m. A few thoughts on our organizational structure. <laughs> Very, so that's good, is it, to do that like weird times of the times of morning and the night? Just to look yes. like you're very busy, is it? Or like you're always thinking about work? Always thinking about the company. <laughs> Even at three in the morning, you are wondering about the organizational structure or the process or, you know, the status of something. Um, and you can just kind of like set your email up to send these up and send these in the middle of the night. <laughs> Do you know what? I mean, then the other one is when writing an email, use as many acronyms as possible because you just don't have time to actually write out all the words. Is that else. it? Because yeah. you're so busy again. So, yeah, exactly. so, so it's all like AFAIK, LGTM. I don't know what half of these are, but anyway, they sound good. I'm going to use them. They sound great. Yeah. Um, use an overly complex out of office responder. Tell me about this one. Well, you know, when when you're out of the office, even for just a few hours, and someone sends you an email, it's important to make them know like how important you are by having a really complex out of office responder. So you have several people to contact in case of this project or in case of this meeting or what, all of these things that are going on. 
Um, some people even create an entire document of people to contact in case you can't be reached. And it just makes you seem like you are just, you have your hands in everything. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing, Sarah, because I have done that as well. And I'm actually a bit worried about myself. We could never be friends because you're just thinking she's horrendous. Listen to her. I don't know. Maybe I've just tried. Yeah, maybe I've just taken all this on board myself, realizing that actually that's what it is. I realized I had to do all these things to get on, you know. Um, so what about the reaction? from men to the book because you know again I presume there's some people who who some men who don't realize it's a joke a, a, a joke with a serious point let's say but um do what do they think the men who do get that it's a joke do they do they find do they recognize some of the stuff in it I am really encouraged and surprised by how many men appreciate the book and are promoting the book and and talking about the book and wanting to share it and a lot of them just um appreciate the fact that all of these things are laid out in in one place because a lot of times you see like a story here a story there or you know you know different articles about different things but this kind of tries to summarize all of the sort of issues that women deal with and so men are laughing and they are also appreciating just they're appreciating the perspective and and kind of getting an understanding of what it is like to be a woman in a, a male dominated industry I've definitely gotten some men writing in like this is sexist and men and women are equal and we shouldn't be dividing the sexes like this. And, you know, I'm really not trying to divide the sexes. I'm really just saying, hey, this is an experience that we have. And and this is, you know, my way of kind of showing what it's like. And And on a more serious note, having just confessed that I actually have adapted some of these behaviours, do you think that it's only just men who do that? Or do you think there is a case that, you know, women have kind of observed these things going on and have adapted them? because it's almost like, well, you know, and, and things are catching as well. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a sort of a contagion effect as well. If people are going around behaving like a certain way, you, you tend to kind of copy it. It, it. It's sort of natural, I think. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, if you see that this woman got ahead by doing by acting a certain way, then you're going to think, well, that's how I have to act in yeah. order to get ahead. I think that that's true for um, a lot of uh, corporate the corporate world so what reaction have you had from men do are there people who recognize it and get it and understand why why you're putting this out there yeah I mean there's more men than I thought there would be who really appreciate it and are sharing it and talking about it and um you know reading it and I I really think that's awesome because they're just seeing it as uh, a kind of a window into what it's like to be a woman in a male-dominated industry and um, I just, I'm so excited about that. Uh, and then there's, of course, there's, uh, some men, less men than I thought there would be though. I really thought I was going to get trolled a lot. I thought I was going to get hate mail. I did get one piece of hate email before the book even came out. Um, and the, the message is kind of the same. It's like, they think it's very sexist and they think that, you know, I'm separating men and women and men and women should be exactly the same and treated the same. And obviously I feel, I, I, I agree. I think men and women, um, should be treated exactly the same. But the fact of the matter is that sometimes we aren't. And so, um, you know, for those men, I just try to say, listen, there are male dominated workplaces. That's a fact. Everybody can see that. And so being a woman in that situation is a unique experience and Mm -hmm. really just reading the book and and seeing what that experience is like and not just kind of writing it off Mm -hmm. um, would be a better response. It's kind of like they're proving my point by telling me that, um, 
as a woman in business, I don't know what it's like to be a woman in business. They're kind of gaslighting me <laughs> with their response of the book. And so I think it's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just thinking about it, though, as well. Like, I know on a, on a serious point, it's all very well saying, you know, you said to me earlier, like, you, you know, I, I've told you that I've adapted some of these things. And I think very unconsciously. But there's a thing about you sort of realise, OK, if you behave a certain way, you really stand out. And like whether they think you're crazy or they just think, oh, look, the way she carries on or her ideas are mad or she, she doesn't have the same style. You, you kind of, pe- people want to fit in and work. They don't want to be the one that people kind of remark on because they're they're a bit different. So it's understandable, isn't it, in a way that, that, that women sometimes would kind of adapt those behaviours. Absolutely. But the thing is, women are going to stand out anyway because there's um, not enough of us. Mm. And so anything we do is seen as sort of this anomaly that's different. You know, men have, you know, sort of dominated these these. Uh, spaces and so they have their norms and we have to try to fit into those things even if it doesn't feel normal or natural for us to fit in um and so it's going to take a lot more women um being in these spaces and being really themselves and being really honest about um who they are for more women to come into those spaces and feel like they um belong there yeah i know actually you know you're really making me think that i mean i'm I'm mostly to be honest i mostly am myself but i do know that sometimes i sort of i'm aware of okay if i present in this way or if i am really myself it's not going to go down that well Whereas I think a lot of other people with different genitalia don't have that issue (laughs) because the way they present, the way they present and the way they are is the acceptable norm of how to be. So therefore they don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And I think that that leads to a lot of um, stress for women because Mm. you kind of feel like you're living a double life where like at work you have to to play this part and and it's it's exhausting, you know, to, to for eight hours a day, try to be something you're not. Oh, God, you're speaking my language there. There's a chapter called (laughs) How to Talk Like a Man But Still Be Seen as a Woman. You say that in male-dominated workplaces, women must join the boys' club. That means acting more like men and less like women. That's kind of what we're talking about. However, sometimes when women say the exact same thing a man says, it's interpreted in a completely different way. It's enough to make you want to cry, which as a man means you're sensitive and as a woman means you're hysterical. So you have a few phrases that women basically have to completely avoid because they just don't come out as well as, as the men does. So, like, you can't, woman can't say you're doctor document needs a lot more work. So if a man says that, he's being very helpful. But what if a woman says it? Um, that's seen as abrasive. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> we should rethink this and try a different approach. So therefore, the man is being very disruptive. He's kind of being innovative. But when a woman says we should rethink this and try a different approach, it's disruptive. Yeah. Yeah. So as a man, that's, you know, you're, you're um, yeah, you're coming at it from a different perspective and so it's really like innovative like you said but for a woman that's like wow why is she rocking the boat and trying to change the way that we've been doing things and this one I really relate to like because I'm a say I'm say I say this a lot just generally in my life (laughs) this really pisses me off uh, Mm -hmm. so it sounds really passionate coming from a man but it just sounds too emotional doesn't it coming from a woman yeah, exactly. I mean, and this is a tough one, too, because, you know, I don't think that everybody should walk around being angry at work and pissed off. And But if you it's a it's a normal, natural emotion. So um, we should be as accepting um, of this emotion in men as we as we are in women, I think. Yeah. Um, another one is I think I'm the best person to lead this project. So if a man says that, it's yeah. very confident. He's very sure of himself. He knows what he's doing. He knows he's the best person. Uh, a woman walks into the room and says that it's it's not seen the same yeah. way necessarily. 
yeah. So if a woman says, I think I'm the best person to lead this project, that's immediately seen as arrogant. Yeah. Um, and if a man is saying he needs more time on something, he needs more time on a project, he's very detail oriented. He's a perfectionist. He wants to get it really right. Yeah. And if yeah. I say it, as a woman says, <laughs> I need a bit more time. Yeah, I'm, you're just going slow and maybe this isn't the right thing for you. I'm a bit of a dope. You need help. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm, I'm kind of a bit remedial. I'm not really getting it. Yeah. Uh, gee, it's so it, it, this is actually quite the most one of the most depressing bits of it because I know it's a satire, but... You know, as a lot of the book, it feels kind of true. Um, so here we have a man and a woman saying that they have four kids. The man says, I have four kids. Uh, so the man needs a promotion then so he can take care of his family. And the woman says she's four kids. <laughs> and she can't be promoted because she needs to take care of her family. I mean, exactly. The, the woman might not, you know, have the time to devote to her career if she has four kids. So maybe she shouldn't be promoted. Maybe we can't trust her with the responsibility. A man, on the other hand, obviously needs that money for his family. Yeah. Um, and then if if there's the, the phrase is, I'm in the middle of something, can we chat later? So if a man says that, he's very focused on his work. And if a yeah. woman says it, she's perceived as a bit of a bitch, a bit of a nasty yeah. person. Right. Why, is she, why isn't she making time for me? Yeah. Um, another one is I changed my mind about this so the man there would be quite thoughtful and uh, thinking about things very carefully and if a woman says I changed my mind she's a bit erratic she's a bit kind of yeah I, I was always very scared to change my mind because really? I, you know, I didn't want people to think that they, they couldn't trust me and so if I said this is what I feel and then like a, a day later I was like well I don't know if I actually think that I, I was like but I can't tell people that because then you know what if you know, they they think that my opinions are, are just going to keep changing. You know, they're scared about that. And I mean, which is so, and again, I know it's it's a joke book, but that's a really serious point because if, if again, coming back to being yourself or actually trusting your own instincts, you know, sometimes we do change our minds and sometimes the thing that we thought yeah. very firmly, you evolve your thinking and it's, a, the, it's the right thing to do to then say, oh, actually, I've had another idea and it's a better one. But to be worried yeah. about what that will make you look like as if it makes you look like you can't, you're a flip-flopper, you can't, you know, settle on one yeah. track, then it's not, right. it's not good for anybody because it's not, you know, you've had a better idea, but you're not, you don't want to say it because of what people might think. It's, um, yeah, it's not good. And your conclusion on this thing of um, how to things never to say if you're a, if you're a woman is that some might say that how other people interpret your words is their problem, which is true, but it's also your problem because getting ahead in your career is all about soft skills. But for women, our soft skills can't be too soft and we can't just depend on our hard skills to do the work for us. So what am I saying here? I've no idea. I'm just talking circles at this point and that's okay because I'm doing it in a very, very soothing tone. Uh, yeah, so what about for you then? Because you, you came up with all these things through obviously the people that you, you're, you're, who are listening to, your audience, but also because you've worked in quite male-dominated areas. I mean, these are real things that you've noticed, even though, as we've talked about, it's satire. But these haven't been plucked out of the sky. These are real. Yeah, yeah. A lot of them are, are things that I experienced and um, some things are things that I observed as a manager leading a team and Seeing, you know, a woman who was extremely excited about her job, had a lot of ideas, spoke very fast and was just really, really engaged. And I was, you know, surprised to see people say that she needed to be reined in or, you know, that she, you know, was a little bit too intense, you know, because I just felt like, you know, they would never describe a man who was excited about his job as someone who's as too intense or needed, needing to be reined in. Mm. Um, and so even as the perspective of being a leader and seeing, seeing that, I think was even more 
um, more of an eye opener for me because for me, I'm a, I'm a huge people pleaser. And, um, so a lot of these things, like I said, I did these naturally and, um, I hated that I did them, but they, I just wanted, you know, the path of least resistance was always the way for me. Um, but definitely seeing other women who like would even share an opinion that, you know, wasn't the mainstream opinion and how, how they were (laughs) one, one time this woman, um, just really felt strongly about something and we were in a meeting and uh, this, this guy accused her of being on drugs because just because she had a different opinion um, and it was the weirdest thing. And that would just literally never happen if a man just had a different opinion, you know? Yeah. So to try and end on a, on a, on a good note, because, you know, yeah. hopefully things are changing. And even the fact that there's lots of men sharing your thoughts and yeah. sharing the book, that's really encouraging because there's, there's men out there recognise it and saying this isn't right and we should all be more ourselves probably. Because there's probably, in fairness, there's probably a lot of men doing all these things who don't really feel believe in them. They're just doing them again to fit in, like like some women are yeah. doing them to fit in. So as a, as a woman, what would be your advice to other women and maybe men, but to mostly women who want to be more themselves but are afraid of looking like the cray-cray one in the corner with the, with the sort of emotions and the intensity and the passion and, the, and all those things. Um, they want to be themselves, but they're afraid. So, I mean, I suppose there's a certain mint of feel the fear and do it anyway in it, isn't there? And just kind of try it out. Yeah, I mean, there's some of that. I think it also just takes a lot of um, support. And so creating um, those groups at work, uh, mentoring younger women or as a younger woman, finding a a woman to um, mentor you or even just creating groups of of women who you can kind of share, you know, experiences with and and give, you know, feedback to each other. There's no one way to act or behave. Um, You know, everybody is different. And so even even for, for you, you might feel like, you know, a book might tell you, well, you should say this if you hear a sexist comment. But what if that's just not a natural thing for you to say? Don't, don't, then don't say it. You might need to try a few different things um, in order to respond in a way that really feels right to you. But, you know, it does take a, a little bit of a risk. Take that chance um, to, to follow your gut. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it is difficult when you're in meeting. I mean, I, th- I don't think maybe guys see it as much. You know, I'm, if I'm in a meeting, which I often am with, say, just me and nine men um, in a meeting. And it's funny, it doesn't matter how many times I'm in that situation. Every single time I walk into a room like that, I feel it. And it's a hard thing to describe, but it's just like walking in and knowing that of you're one of one kind of person. I know we're all human beings. So at the end of the day, yeah. it's not like it's not like that strange. It's not like you're walking in and there's some yeah. other species there. But it does. You definitely do feel it. And um, but I don't know if people who are in the majority then necessarily fe- feel it for you. Do you know that way? Whereas I, th- I think right. I would if I was looking at a room and I walked in and it was you know, say if, if there was loads of women and just one or two men, you, I would notice that and feel like, oh, I wonder what that's like for that person. It, it just feels like it's sometimes so it's... It's, it's so a, different, though. Yeah. You know, for, for like, you know, if there's a group of women and there's one man, I feel like as women, we're like, well, how do we make sure that he knows he's included? And, <laughs> you know, make sure, you know, but that, that doesn't happen the other way, the other direction. You know, you're, you're a woman walking into a, a room full of men they, you know, and, and you feel like this is a club and you're kind of an outsider, they're probably going to do things just to reinforce that feeling. You know, they're, they're not going to be like, oh, let's make sure that, that she feels heard. You know, they're not, they're not yeah. probably not going to. Well, I have to say, I have to say, Mike, I have lovely male colleagues and I, I wouldn't like to think that, that they're doing that. But at the same time, it's just interesting to me that I, it never kind of, it's always a, it's always a recognition I have when I'm in that situation. I never feel like, oh, yeah, this is just the way it is. It's always, yeah. you know, it's funny that, isn't it? That it doesn't ever become kind of normal because it always feels weird. 
Because it's not normal and it shouldn't be. (laughs) Um, Sarah, are you going to be, you know, evangelizing this message all over the place or what's your plans next? Are you doing another book? Um, so yeah, this book just came out. So I'm just talking about this book and um, doing some book signings and readings and things like that. Um, and you know, we'll see, see where it goes. Uh, no plans for another book right now, but probably going to be talking about this for a little while because people seem interested in it. <laughs> I think it's a great topic. I mean, you do have very helpfully, you have the fake mustaches if you really want to try and blend in which is thank you very much that's very kind but you also have some self-care ideas because as you said it is very draining uh yeah all these tactics so c- tell me some of the self-care uh that you um, yeah i mean there is a, a lot of great things you can do let's see one of them um, is uh, rock back and forth in a fetal position and imagine what would happen if a co-worker saw you like this <laughs> i go to the bathroom yes. to do that yes <laughs> Um, you could stay at work, um, stay, stay home from work to recharge and decompress, and then you end up cleaning your entire house. I've definitely done that. Um, and you, tr- you try to meditate, but then you start thinking about a presentation that didn't go very well, and so then you just end up replaying it in your head over and over again. Uh, so that's another good one. Um, and there's, um, I like to just... Go on. I like to... Yeah, I like to just... Um, you know, get a hot cup of tea and gather a bunch of blankets and pillows and sit on your couch and then never drink the tea <laughs> because you're just sitting there. I like doing. the one, um, eat, eat a whole bowl of pasta and savour every bite yeah. while also counting the calories in every bite. Very important. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's so when... We really do need to relax. <laughs> Get acupuncture while wondering if it'd just be a, if it would be just as effective for you to buy the pins and do it yourself. That's a good one. <laughs> um, listen, it's a great book. It is very funny, but it's also serious and it's important. Um, it's got lovely illustrations. Whoever did them, she's very good. And it, what? Yeah. Sorry, Sarah. I didn't realise you did the whole. See, look at me. <laughs> I didn't think you could do it all, Sarah. Oh my god! I thought you just did. The work. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't realize you illustrated it as well. It's excellent. Wow, you really are a man. No, <laughs> I think we should end it there. And I'm just going to go and check and look inside my underwear and check have I have I got the right genitals for the women's podcast. <laughs> anyway, it was lovely talking to you, and uh, maybe I'll talk to you again sometime. Thank you so much. That was Sarah Cooper there, the author of. They're very funny and I really can't recommend it more highly and you could have it on your desk and just open it. You know, when you're having a particularly stressful time, it's called How to Be Successful Without Hurting Men's Feelings. That's all we have time for on this episode. Remember, you can download episodes wherever you get your podcasts and you can always go to iTunes, give us a review and tell all your friends about the women's podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle and I'll talk to you next time. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com